Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. book of Mark, and then we're going to start in Genesis and go to Revelations. What I mean is this, sometimes you just pour the whole Bible through a setting of Scripture, and so we're just kind of going to kind of set the platform really for uh, these three verses. We'll come back to them later, but uh, they're just going to kind of be a placeholder for you right now. Mark chapter number 5, and uh, I'm going to start with verse number 16. The Bible says, and they that saw it, told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Now, uh, to give a little indication about what we're talking about here, particularly the the pronouns him and all of this, we, we have a few characters. We have a man that had been possessed with the devil that it's been made clean now. We have a community of people where this has taken place. We have Jesus who is in this scenario, has been on shore. He has arrived and has been very instrumental in this cleansing of uh, the demon-possessed man. So when we read verse 17 and say that they, that's the community, begin to pray him, that is Jesus Christ, to depart out of their coast. Somebody doesn't want Jesus. They began to pray him to part out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, this is Jesus getting back on the ship. He had, he had traveled there by boat. Now he is exiting by boat because they prayed that he would depart. He that had been possessed with the devil, now here's the man that had had the tragedy in his life, prayed him, talks to Jesus, that he might be with him. So there's a lot of different little dynamics going on here. There's a problematic man. Whenever Jesus shows up, when he leaves, he's no longer in that place. The community has suffered as a result of this, but they don't want anything to do with Jesus. But the man that had had the problem saying, don't leave me here, take me with you, they're saying go, but I'm wanting to go with you. So there's just this whole ball of of different thoughts and feelings and such that's taking place here within the gospel. And so this morning, I want to talk to you simply this, the Jesus they couldn't afford. The Jesus they couldn't afford. And I'm not talking about purchasing him. But the Jesus that they couldn't afford. Lord, I come to you today and I need your help this morning. I pray, oh Lord, you're able to prick our hearts. You're able to prick our minds. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, open our minds of our understanding. I pray, Jesus, concerning, Lord God, this gospel truth and story. But Lord, more than a story, Lord, let it, God, step off the page, Lord, into our lives. And help us, God, to be able to identify ourselves today. God, here, Lord Jesus, God, where we are, Lord, as the characters, Lord Jesus, will play out, Lord, in this place today. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, touch us anew and afresh. will not fail to thank you and praise you for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. We'll come back to Mark here in just a little bit. But first of all, I think it's important today to understand that as a society, as civilization over time, that we as a people are bent 
somewhat bent with communicating with a higher power. People like to rely on something outside of themselves, look to something beyond themselves that they can identify with or maybe even confide in in moments when life is turbulent, whenever it's uncertain. It's great to know that there's something maybe uh, that lies beyond you that you can go to. And so as a result of this, humanity, civilizations through time have had all type of different contrivances that, that they've done and come up with to try to bridge the gap between what their perception of God might be and uh, uh, bridging that gap between him and them. Bridging that gap, if you will, uh, by making shrines all throughout the, the earth and through the world. There are temples that have been made. There have been altars that have been erected uh, to gods uh, or even to the God for the purpose of bridging the gap. In some sects of the world, in some nations, they are, they'll make statues to embolize their gods so that you know, it's something tangible that they can touch, put their hand on, uh, lay a finger on, lay their lips to, uh, trying to bridge the gap because they want to have that, that higher power, if you will, in their lives. They want something that, that's not just a thought or idea, but something tangible that they can actually see and touch. And doing that, they're, they're attempting to bring that which some perceive as being very far off and far away and distant close to them. By doing that, uh, you know, it's like bringing the celestial power of the gods subject into their lives. And because they, we have all our own demands, right? Our own demands, our own nuances in our life that, that, that need some type of intervention that's beyond ourselves sometimes. And, and so they do these different things with statues and temples, temples and such to try to make a God, if you will, accessible uh, to mankind. And yet, whenever we read in the very beginning of the Bible, we read that Adam and Eve, unprovoked, Adam and Eve had this deep fellowship with their God. That this deep fellowship with their God, the creator of all things from the very beginning. That's the way that it was set up. That's the way that it was stationed. Uh, they didn't do anything in particular to have audience with the Lord. It was just known that uh, during the cool of the day, uh, Kevin, that the Lord would come down and he would have conversation with Adam and Eve. And how refreshing that must have been uh, to them in their life. They were his creation. and He cared enough about them that he interacted with his creation. It's not anything, uh, some type of perk program they had to go through in order to get that. It was just a part of the makeup of creation. And so God had created them. He had cared for them. He had gave them responsibilities in the garden. Keep it. You know, uh, you're going to plant. You're going to harvest here. And all of that within that place of paradise. But the Bible says in Genesis 3 and verse number 8, and they heard, this is the common setting that Adam and Eve had in the beginning, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife, the Bible says, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. This, of course, is after they have, have ate of, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, after they had partaken of that. 
which they were not supposed to, but they did. God gave them to their will to make their choice. And he, they did that. And after doing that, here comes the Lord down in his normal way, interaction with his creation, which would have been just tremendous. I can't even imagine. And as he comes down, as he oftentimes would, the Bible says Adam and Eve are off hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord. I mean, him coming down, that wasn't anything unnatural. Him coming down, that wasn't anything peculiar for them. It was a common occurrence. This is, this is just another day in the life of Adam and Eve. Amen. Imagine that if you can. Just another day in the life of, you know, the Lord's coming down to visit. Uh, just coming down to speak with us and have uh, companionship and talk with us. It was the ebb and the flow of Adam and Eve, the first family and their lives. That's the way, my, I even say, things were intended to be. For God to have interaction with his creation. For God to have interaction with that first family and those families that would come. But the Bible plainly says at this particular moment, at this particular time, that Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And it's that very first little seed that's planted here in Genesis that we come to understand a whole lot of other similar statements since then. And that is people hiding themselves, being elusive with the presence of the Lord. Wanting just to be left alone. Just left alone. Want to leave his presence. And it all comes from the same idea here in Genesis that there was a flaw in the original design. Not a flaw that the Lord had developed, but the human will, self-will. Self-will has a propensity sometimes to not want interaction with its creator. Have you ever had a kid that want to be around you and you're like, I brought you into the world? You know, as our kids grow a little older and get in those teenage years, used to you hung the moon. You was the smartest person. Now... You don't know if they are your offspring. <laughs> you know, they just, the human will has a propensity sometimes to want to separate. And so Adam and Eve, they flee from the presence of the Lord. But that fleeing in the very beginning, fleeing from the presence of the Lord, it took a foothold in humanity. It took a foothold in civilization as we know it. Because now in the very next set of children, right? Cain and Abel. Cain murders his brother Abel, that isn't very good, takes a life, and the Bible says after he had done that, Genesis 4 and verse 16, look what we see here now, there's a thread that's starting, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So things originally, companionship, fellowship with God, having the Lord, that presence, that interaction, and then transgression comes and human wills there and Adam and Eve's hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord. Then their children, Cain, he's leaving the presence of the Lord and goes to live in the land of Nod, which literally means a place of wondering. He went from a permanent place to a place of his presence to wondering. And so it sets a cycle for humanity from the very beginning of time. And really, whenever we read our Bibles from Genesis to Revelation, what we have here is a story how... God and humanity, for that matter, is trying to reverse the undoing of what Genesis started. From the very beginning, fellowship, 
But there's a breach in that in the beginning. And now the rest of scriptures, as you turn through the judges and through the law and through all the poetic writings, you know what's going on? They're trying to reverse. They're trying to get back into that fellowship with God. Get back into that relationship with God. They are longing to get back in touch with their creator. And it doesn't seem as easy as it was, though, when it was first initiated. When it was first started, they're, they're, people are enamored. You look, that's the reason why they're serving the gods of the moon and the gods of the stars because they're enamored with all these different heavenly bodies because they see the fingerprints of their creator on those things. And so they're just like, if I can just even attach to that, maybe uh, you know, by proxy, you know, I'll have attachment to, to the creator of the universe. And so they're giving themselves over to all these things. If I'll get to know those better, maybe I'll get to know him better. He'll be closer to me and whenever Moses made the tabernacle in the wilderness what was the purpose of that he, Christ the, the Lord said make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among you what is he trying to do he's trying to help them in reverse Adam and Eve saying we're getting out of the presence of the Lord Cain saying we're getting out of the presence of the Lord he's trying to reverse that get himself back in their presence amen and so temple Build it, you know. It, it, it serves a purpose to a certain degree and it helps them in that aspect, but it's not flawless. You have the temple then of Solomon, same thing, temple of David, temple of Zerubbabel, all these places of temples and worships. They're just other means where people are trying to get close again to the God of heaven. Trying to get close again to their creator. All the old sacrificial systems, you know, you got to bring a certain animal on a certain day. It's got to be of the certain male or female, certain type. And this is when you need to bring it, and this is how you should bring it. All of that, again, was just a way to find route to God. It was a way to find favor from God, hoping that if, if, if the right thing is brought, he'll come down maybe in a cloud. He'll come down in a fire. He'll, he'll accept my offering. We'll experience maybe a glimpse of his glory. That's what we're really desiring, looking for. You know, if I have, you know, two, two turns to the right, one turn to the left, the combination will be just right, and it'll unlock uh, what was forfeited, if you will, in the garden. And then you have people, you know, there's some that's hearing his voice, and it's like, man, they must really be somebody. You know, to hear the voice. I wish I could hear the voice of the Lord. Others are seeing a little apparition or a theophany, as it would be called over here, you know, of the Lord. That must be a special treat. You know, they must really have done something to enter such a realm to have an experience with God. I mean, that would be an honored position. I wish I had that. Oh, that's probably how Adam and Eve had it. You know, that's how probably it was in their day. And so we have this constantly bridging the gap mode. Job, in his book, he even left us with this question. He said, canst thou by searching find out God? He even says in Job 23 and verse 3, he says, oh, that I knew where I might find him that I might come even to his seat. So there, you can sense in those words the longing, the desire of Job, amen, to be with his creator. In verse 8, it talks about his diligence in his search. The diligence in his search. He says, behold, I go forward, but he's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive. What it, Job is on a search and rescue mission for God. Amen. He wants him a part of his life. He, he, he can only read about the Adam and Eve scenario. All right? Uh, nine, he says, on the left hand where he doth work, but I can't behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. So imagine a little bit of the frustration that Job has here. I'm longing for this. They let go of it. I want it. 
they've disregarded it, but that's now what I want. It's like, God, can I just raise my hand for Adam and Eve and say, hey, we changed our mind? Because I want to get back to that relationship. And so it's a great contrast from the original garden experience where he was readily there, where he readily showed up. Now we have a Job that's searching for him and looking for him in every imaginable direction and, and coming up short, finding him and discerning him. Even the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, the Bible says the Apostle Paul said that his ways are past finding out. I mean, do I even have any hope here? Because his ways are past finding out. And so whether consciously or un unconsciously, the trend continues even for the man in the New Testament, the man, Christ Jesus, who Timothy tells us, 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us that God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. The, the trend continues then for the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Because it would have behooved all of the world whenever he showed up, Christ showed up in Bethlehem's manger to rally around that child and understand this is God manifest in the flesh. This is Emmanuel, God with us. This is Emmanuel, God with us. It would have been great for everybody to identify, to recognize that and say, look, what was lost in the garden, man, has been known here in Bethlehem. This is God with us. We, we need to cater around this. We need to be in the presence of this one. Uh, even so much that Jesus even told them. He said, "If you, you, he that has seen me has seen my father. Uh, you, you, you've seen me, you've seen God. Here I am, flesh and blood. For that matter, when Christ came and walked among us, it was the closest since the garden that anyone had gotten to God. It's the closest since the garden. Some were with him, his disciples, a core. Some had walked with him. Some slept where he slept, ate what he ate, right? But there were still yet others among the crowd that's keeping him at bay, at arm's distance. And the plight would continue. It would stay the same. What happens whenever Mary, she goes to where the taxes are going to be taken and she goes to be numbered in the census and she has her child Bible says that even in that moment in time, there was no room where? No room in the inn for him. And for me, in the modern day, here we are, the church, right? We've been talking about this on Wednesday, 2 Peter. We're the church. We're looking for his appearing. We're looking for his coming. We're waiting for him to come back. And so being that church that's looking for his appearing, coming, the imminent return of the Lord, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the idea that I would say, Lord, sorry, depart from me. Because sometimes we have our own vices in our world as well. Things have not really changed all that much. Amen. He is our creator, but we still, in many respects, like him to have his place in us to have ours. Several years ago in 2013, I remembered this very plainly. Uh, in 2013, famous singer uh, Whitney Houston uh, died the night before the Grammys back in 2013 at a relatively young age of 48 years old. And they wanted then that night at the Grammys to honor her, uh, pay some type of tribute to her for her contribution to music. And one of the ways that they dealt with the sudden loss of a, uh, a superstar in her own regard was a man by the name of LL Cool J. He rendered a prayer 
prayer at the Grammys for the family for this scenario. And I remember this very plainly because among the masses of the people that were there, uh, there was a view that, that, that surfaced and that came and a comment was made. My mind holds on to this all these years later. And this is what was taking place in the backs of the minds of the people whenever that prayer was offered for the family. The comment was made, why don't we keep Jesus out of this? That's what someone said. said, why don't we keep Jesus out of this? Keep him out of the program. Keep him out and separate from all these other things. They were just trying to be honorable for a woman who had lost her life and you know, whose life, whose beginning had been marked by gospel music uh, predominantly. Her heritage had been a spiritual heritage. But their saying was this, why can't we just keep Jesus out of this? Things haven't really changed all that much. The dynamics of any setting, the dynamics of any uh, society are going to have, if you will, the characters of Mark 5 that we started with tonight, or this morning, rather. I want to read Mark 5 to you again from the Living Bible, if you will, today. The Bible says, those who saw what happened, meaning the deliverance of the demon-possessed man and what even took place with the swine, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. Those who saw what happened were telling everyone about it. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. So he got back into the boat. The man who had been possessed by the demons begged Jesus to let him go alone. This, with everything I've talked about up to this moment in time, beats everything I've ever known. That a group of people would plead with Jesus. Depart. Leave us alone. History, church history from here from Genesis has been trying to get him back. Has been trying to have that interaction again. Has been trying to have that fellowship again. And you have it sitting on your shore in demonstration and power. And you're saying, we would really appreciate it if you got back on your little ship and went back across the water. See, this miracle that took place for the demon-possessed man happened in the area of Gadara. It was called the Gadarenes. You can see the harmony of the Gospels. They speak of this story in several other areas. But the Gadarenes was a place that was surrounded. It was a walled place. It, it was uh, very well fortified and not just anything could get in or anything could get out. It was very walled, very protected. Uh, it was in an area that was known as Decapolis, the place of the ten regions or the ten cities. And as a result of that, that area was predominantly a non-Jewish area, meaning it was a lot of Gentiles who people, for the most part, felt really separated from God. You know, the Jews, they, they had a relationship with the Lord. It's kind of back to Father Abraham. It was owed to them, but it wasn't necessarily owed to the Gentiles. So it's in a, a predominantly non-Jewish area. And so for the Lord to show up here, for the Lord to show up in this location and, if you will, have to penetrate through the walls and penetrate, if you will, through this walled city and get into a Gentile area. Man, that was such a high honor and a high privilege for these people. And there's something else I want you to notice. This, this thing about us just wanting God, God, He wants it more than we want it. God wants what was in the beginning 
that he started with the first family more than whatever we would even want it. Because when you read Mark chapter number four, the end of Mark chapter number four, you know what you're reading about? You're reading about a storm that was upon the Sea of Galilee that Christ was trying to get across. You read about a tempestuous storm, waters rising and falling in people's lives thinking that they were going to be in harm because of this great storm that came up on the water. And he calms the storm. If I can say it like this, Christ traveled through a storm to try to get to Gadara to have relationship with these people. And yet their words when it's all said and done is, thank you for your trouble. But we don't need you. Folks, don't miss it. Because there's some that's even sitting here this morning that he has made some of the same efforts. He has traveled through some horrid stuff to get to where you are. To get to where your life is and where you may be found in impenetrable walls and places, if you will, of subjection and things of that nature. And he's come because he wants relationship with you. He's come because he desires to get back what they had in the beginning. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss, if you will, the privilege, amen, of having the Lord around, amen, being able to bend his ear, being able to hear his voice. So he, he went through a storm just to get to Gadara to where these people are. And the amazing thing is this, a storm could not stop him. But their human will would not permit him to stay. A storm would not stop him getting there, but their own human will would not permit him to stay there. There's nothing in your life that can keep God from finding you. But he will not stay where he is not wanted. There, there's nothing... Mark the storm at the classification, category five hurricane, whatever it may be, classified whatever it is. He can get to you, but he will not remain where he's not welcome. He, he, is, he is a gentleman. God, I, you've heard me say this oftentimes. God is a gentleman. He is not going to force himself or coerce himself upon anybody. He wants to be a man this, this, in this relationship with you because you want him in that relationship. He is not going to force himself. He'll, he'll climb mountain. He'll dig valley. He'll do whatever's necessary to get to you. But he will not stay if you're just saying, you know what? Depart. Amen. He will not stay if you're saying depart. And so he traveled through this storm. What ended up, it seems like, just even for one person. One person. And so here's this community. Here's the, here's the setting of the scripture. They have, a, they have a little bit of a problem here. There is a man. He's living among the tombs here in the city of Gadara. These little niches in the caves and walls. Uh, sometimes robbers and thieves and stuff would hang in these areas. It was, uh, it was set at distance where people lived. But this man is possessed with a devil. The Bible describes that he would oftentimes cut himself. The community even tried to bind him with chains many times. But he broke every fetter and every chain that they tried to place upon him. So he's a little bit disruptive, if you will, to the environment. As long as he just stays up there in the tombs, everything is fine. So he's problematic. No one could 
give him the help that he needed. He couldn't seem to be contained, amen, as he needed to be contained. Uh, he lived there among the tombs. And whenever Jesus shows up through the storm and steps on land, he helps them with this problematic person. He gives them the aid for this person that nobody else could give. He spent some time there. He makes himself vulnerable because, I mean, what's going to happen with this crazed individual, you know, cutting themselves and all this stuff? He makes himself vulnerable. He is not asking for anything in return. The Lord's not asking for anything in return. And yet the crowd says, leave us alone. And the healed man is saying, let me go with you. Take me. Look, this is interesting. When Jesus steps on the shore, because he came across the water to the shore. When Jesus steps on the shore out of the boat, the Bible says he's met by this demon-possessed man. This man, before Jesus even got to shore, recognized Jesus approaching Gadara. He noticed Jesus approaching in a boat. The Bible even tells us in verse 6, it was even while Jesus was still far out from the land that the demon-possessed man notices him approach a man the shore and evidently wherever the tombs were in position to the shoreline, that man seeing Jesus afar off, you know what he does? He starts running toward where Jesus is about ready to touch shore and he comes running to him he might have been demon possessed, but there, there's this dual nature of the man, the, the possessed man and the man that, that, that still had some consciousness about who he was. And the Bible says he ran to fall before the Lord to worship him. Amen. Now think with me for a moment. Think. Here is a demon possessed man that's saying, in essence, fall down and worshiping. Whoo, I'm glad you're here. And then a larger majority of people in just a few moments are going to say, we don't need you here. Someone say amen. I mean, he's running to him. He's running to worship him. And others are saying, no, depart, get away from us. Now, this man that had, the Bible says, Jesus asked him, he said, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion. Uh, Legion interprets 4,000 to 6,000 martial troops in a Roman army. 4,000 to 6,000 martial troops. We're talking about people that keep rank, know their orders, they are in step. And so whenever he said he was Legion, meant that this man had quite a conglomerate of activity going on inside of his life. Amen. Spiritual activity, a marshaled army, if you will, inside of him. Amen. And so whenever Jesus is dealing with this man, he is dealing with a very real issue of the people. But let's just let's this survey here for a moment how was it that the people were dealing with their quote-unquote problem well they isolated him to the tombs and they attempted to bind him or at least attempted to do it they attempted him to keep at bay you know what it seems like they're treating him a lot like that they're about ready to treat the lord anything that doesn't just fit within their scheme of life just isolate it and just keep it at bay. Just, just isolate it and keep it at bay. The Bible says whenever uh, the, the unclean spirits cried out to the Lord, they didn't want to be sent anywhere else. They didn't want to be sent into any other country. And they asked uh, for permission to be sent into some pigs that are off in the distance. Again, this is a predominantly non-Jewish a place. These are Gentiles. It would have been wrong for Jews to have pigs. They were unclean animals to the Jews. But these are Gentiles. And so highly probable that their way of life and living was raising pigs. I know some of you own businesses and others do this. But some people just raise pigs. 
And that's okay. That was their livelihood. That was their way of life. And so here are these unclean spirits that the Lord dispatches, amen, into these pigs. And the Bible says they ran down the steep cliff into the water and they drowned. Now we have a scenario. If you look back again at verse number 16 of Mark number 5, you will notice the Bible says, and they saw it, told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. We got two stories here. We had a problem that we tried to isolate and put at bay. This man now, he's clothed, which he had been naked. He's in his right mind. He was deranged. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was up in the tombs. Absolute change. But we got another issue here. We had about 2,000 hogs. They are now drowned in the sea. And so they are warring with the success of what happened in the life of one man and what happened with their business. They're struggling with the one man and life as they knew it, their status quo. They're struggling with the great things that happened over here and what they would say is a tremendous loss for them personally. But, I mean, didn't we have a gain? I mean, this man was terrorizing the area. Amen. He was possessed. But we have over here then the loss of 2,000, if you will, hogs. Can I tell you this morning that we, we truly underscore what is valuable to us whenever we consider what we consider as a loss in our life. Jesus did something for them. They could not do for themselves. They had attempted it. Yet in the process of doing that, it took something from them, hogs, that they could recreate. Might take some time, might take some energy, might take some effort, but they could recreate that over time. But rather than being grateful for what they couldn't do, take care of the demon-possessed man, which Christ did, they were only put out because of what was done and the means by which it was done. So we got a possessed man made clean and we got 2,000 bodies of hogs floating in the water and whenever they survey the situation, you know what they've come to terms with? What I entitled this this morning, that they can't afford Jesus. Why? They can't afford the Lord because they cannot count what has been lost to them and their status quo, everyday living. They can't somehow equalize that out for them. They love their business. They love their swine more than they even love the one man. Jesus' actions changed the status quo for them. They could, we can't afford you, Lord, because if this is the price that it's at, if this is the price, you can recreate that, folks, yeah, but if this is the price that it's at, then please get back on your boat. If, if, if the price for this man's deliverance is this, because, see, this is too close to our home. This, this is too close to our home. This is too close to our family. This impacts us more than him being deranged up in the tomb somewhere. If this is going to take 2,000 of the swine, then Lord, we cannot afford you. And they say, depart. We don't want any kind. We don't want your kind. We don't want you around here. We don't need your help. Help like that is just going to be her ultimately to us. And yet, and yet, from the beginning, 
They have been trying to regather, if you will, the relationship with God. Here was God in the flesh as Christ Jesus. And they say, you know what? Just go on because this is going to mess up life too much for us. And so as he leaves, as he leaves, he is going to be embarking in Mark 5 a little later there. He's going to be embarking on another shore. He's getting in the boat. Here's the thing. You don't have to tell Jesus to leave twice. It's kind of, and we got to be careful what we ask for. You know, there was another man that came to the Lord. The Bible says it's a parable. Came to the Lord. Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he begins to tell him some things concerning like the commandments. He says, well, all those things have I ta- I've kept since my young years up. He says, well, the Lord said, if you will be perfect. He said, go sell what you have. The Bible says the man had many possessions. He said, go sell what you have and give your money unto the poor. Well, the man hung his head and he walked away. And the Bible plainly states that the Lord let him walk away. Because he is not going to force. He's not going to force the issue. He is not going to force himself. So we got to be careful what we ask for in our walking away or in our telling him to get away. Because he will. He will. Amen. And so as he goes and gets back on the boat he arrived on, however long a a stay he had, he gets on that boat, he leaves, he goes to another shore, and the Bible says as he approaches that shore, in verse number 21, it's going to be the healing of Jairus' daughter and the healing of the woman that had an issue of blood, that whenever he gets to the other side, there was much people gathered there. It's like they were waiting for him. Luke 8, 40 even says that they gladly received him. He's left one shore that said, get out of here. He rides at another shore that's saying, we're glad you're here. Listen, if you don't want him, somebody does. If you don't want to avail your lives of him, somebody does. There's somebody else that's got some deranged issues going on in their life that they can't handle as well. But whenever it's taken care of, you know what they're saying? Boy, I'm glad you showed up today because had it not been for you showing up today, I don't know. I know we've lost some things. I know we've lost a few swine over here, but that's okay. There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger, there's a bigger spectrum here at play. Amen. And so if we don't want him, somebody else does. There's somebody out there that's hungry for the Lord today. There's somebody out there that's desiring God today. Desiring divine intervention there's somebody that wants an Adam and Eve relationship back with the Lord today amen if you don't want it there's somebody waiting in line today I'm telling you out of all the prisons that we've been to 14 amen state penitentiaries I guarantee you there's some lady standing in line today saying I'm glad he showed up in this facility I'm glad he's here I'm glad he's here one says get out the other one says, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're back. It is almost as though he was returning to a place he had been before. And they're like, man, you was gone too long. You was gone too long. And they gladly receive him. Look, Luke 8, 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him for they were all waiting. They were waiting for him. This wasn't just him wanting to be with them. This was they wanted to be with him (laughs) this is not him showing up and someone noticing he's coming there's they're looking out there across the foggy water do you see a boat do you see anyone is he coming is today the day i wish we could enter every service with that type of anticipation 
that when we come in, we're just there as a giddy kid waiting on a piece of candy saying, is he coming? Is that him? Is, is, you know what I'm saying? I, I want to be excited and gladly receive him. I don't want to be careful about what I'm asking for. And so they got the request when they asked him to leave. He got back in the boat. And the interesting thing, and yet at the same time very sad thing, Jesus in his earthly ministry visited a lot of these different cities and towns along the Sea of Galilee. He he visited Bethany often. He visited Jerusalem often. You hear of Chorazan. You hear of Bethesda. You hear of these Capernaum. You hear of these different cities and towns that he often visited or went back to over and over again. But again, he will not force himself to be where he is not welcome. And you can read the scriptures that there is no record that Jesus ever returned to Gadara. Well, what's his, it's not his deal. It was their choice. He never, when they said, depart, leave us, when the cloud settled behind him on that boat, that was all there was to be said. Yet thankfully, someone say thankfully. Yet thankfully, that demon-possessed man. Now, folks, you know it's bad when a man that's just been freed from demon possession would rather go with Jesus than stay where he's been. <laughs> you know what's bad? I mean, it kind of casts a shadow on who really needs the help in this city, you know? They're saying, "Get rid- go, Lord. He's saying, can I go with you? <laughs> and yet the Lord's reply to him was that he could not go. The Lord's reply to this man is that he was to go around in the area of Decapolis, these ten cities, and tell great things about what the Lord had done for him. Here is the commission for us today. The commission for us today is this, is that whenever people do not accept your Lord, they may accept you. When they bid him to get offshore, you may have a purpose why you're still on that shore. Because you might be the only voice of God that they'll receive. They might not want him, but they might take your story about him in your life. And so he was told to stay, and the Bible said he went around telling the great things about what God had done for him. They don't want the Lord, but they'll listen to this man that they knew to be seemingly a lunatic up in the, up in the, uh, the, the tombs. And so Jesus said, you can't come with me because the people of your hometown... They don't want me, they don't accept me, but they may give you attention. And, and, and I'll, I'll close with this today if you'll stand. They, 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 they don't want me, they don't want to give me attention. So Jesus never goes back to Gadara, right? Never went back to Gadara. But by virtue of the man that desired him, that ran to him afar whenever he first showed up, that wanted to go with him whenever he went. By virtue of that man, you'll start to read a story over in Mark chapter number 7. And in Mark chapter number 7, it tells of a boy, amen, that comes. He is deaf. He cannot hear. It seems to be some type of spiritual thing as well. Uh, there's, there's the throwing in the fire, the throwing in the water, all this stuff. And whenever you start to read, the Bible says that this boy that has come has come from the region of Decapolis, the region of the ten cities. What? To come to seek out the Lord for some type of 
alteration of his deafness. But how in the world? The Lord never went back to Gadara. The Lord didn't necessarily have to go because he had a demon-possessed man. He had stayed there. That spread the word. Oh, God is so, so, so intelligent. Amen. That if he can't get there himself, he'll send an ambassador just to get that relationship. And he has called out to us, Brother Gregory, to be those ambassadors. To be those, those places that they won't allow him, he may allow you. And you might be able to get in there and sow a seed. And where there would be others say, don't come here. There might be one from that area that seeks him out. Because of what they heard of a testimony of somebody else that's in this place. Amen. And so this morning, I'm telling us today as, as we close our eyes and we bow our heads in this place this morning. This is a Jesus. You say, well, Brother McGee, it's going to mess up, if you will, the, the dynamics of my life. Or, or there's going to be suffered some loss, you know, as a result of this. Folks, you got to begin to count the cost. you got to realize that there is a greater gain coming out of your quote-unquote loss. There's a greater gain coming. You are, if you will, receiving and retrieving back that original relationship that was back in the Garden of Eden, the very thing that every temple that's ever built has tried to reclaim, every, every tabernacle that's ever built tried to reclaim. You're getting back all of that and more. Amen. You don't need to tell him to depart. You don't need to tell him get lost. You don't need to tell him we can't afford you because this costs too much in our life. No, 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 no. You need him in your life. You need him to step on your shore. You need him to bring harmony back to the, the, the tumult and back to, if you will, the chaos. You need him. Someone say, I need him. I need him. We can afford him today and we need him in the lives of your people. Can we just raise our hands with our heads bowed today? God, I pray, oh Lord, I don't want to show you the shore and say, no, Lord, depart from me. Let not that be the words from our lips. I know there's people that have different places and statuses and levels with God and sometimes they reach those points. It's just like, I don't want anything to do with the Lord. I don't want anything to do with Him. No, uh, uh, no, 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 no. That's just going to mess up the way life is too much. That's just going to jeopardize the way life is right now. now I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with the way life is. Sir, don't tell Jesus to depart from your shore. Ma'am, don't tell Jesus just to take leave. No, no, no. You need Him. You need Him. He'll travel through a storm just to get to you he'll travel through a storm just to get to you hallelujah Jesus I need you Jesus I need you Jesus these altars are open today if there would be anybody under the sound of my voice this morning that may would like to bridge the gap between their the, themselves and their maker between themselves and their creator if there would be anybody that would see him approach the shore like a man that would run to him and fall down and say God I'm in need I'm not saying to Part. I'm not saying get out of here this is what I've been looking for this is what I've been desiring this is what my heart has been beating after I need the intervention of God I need a relationship with God I need the spirit of God help me Lord Jesus help me Lord Jesus whatever the cost Lord whatever the cost Lord somebody needs to echo that from their mouth today whatever the cost is oh Lord I want to bridge the gap I want this relationship to be made anew and afresh whatever the cost whatever the cost whatever the cost folks he made it available for us and he paid the price 
It was the price of lifeblood. It was the price of death upon the tree. Amen. To make this all available to us yet today. Hallelujah. I'm not going to shrug that off. I'm not going to push that aside as though it's nothing. No, 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 no. God, I need you to abide. I need you to abide, Lord, in my life. I want that relationship. I desire it. I must have it today. It's the Jesus that they couldn't afford because they weren't willing. They weren't willing. Don't tell him to depart from your shore. Don't tell him to depart from your shore. Sir, ma'am, can I persuade you? Don't tell him to depart from your shore. Hallelujah. He'll bring harmony to the disharmony. He'll bring peace to the chaos. Hallelujah. These altars are open today. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Oh, this is something since the beginning of time. We're trying to regain, close the gap. This is the story of the Bible. Healing, if you will, the separation between man and God. This is the story of Scripture. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.